Hey there. You're listening to What the Riff, a podcast that takes you back through the years from 1965 to 1995, featuring a rock album of the month, a few staff picks, and a little more. We hope you'll find something you haven't heard in a while, along with a few deeper cuts that you may never have heard, or that you'll find a new artist to follow. Visit our website, whattheriff.com, where our blog will show you all the artists we've covered, as well as a list of every track. Thanks to our sponsors, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So it's time to turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? The United States invades Grenada. The last hand-cranked telephone in the United States went out of service as 400 telephone customers in Maine are switched over to direct dial, and a suicide truck bomb kills 243 U.S. personnel in Beirut, Lebanon. This is What the Riff. We're in October of 1983. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. And who's bringing to us this album? Oh, it's Rob's turn. I'm bringing this to you. This is one of my favorites. I am so disappointed that you got this from me. <laughs> Are you accusing me of changing the name in the spreadsheet? Oh, this is a great, I loved this album. This was a great album. If you had the album, you remember it's the one that had the puzzle pieces and on the front, the, the star, the shapes. It, it kind of looked like one of those things that went into the kid's ball that had all the yeah, different shapes it does. on it. This is Genesis by Genesis. This is this is one of the best songs on the album. This is Home by the Sea. And I never really thought about it, but it's about somebody breaking into a house and it turns out that the house is haunted. That's so, right. Yeah. It goes for sharing their stories with the thief. They're saying as we relive our lives in what we tell you. Uh-huh. So it's the spirit. And then it's like later on, you can check out any time you yeah. like, but you can never leave. You can never leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the, the video for this song is just a live concert. So it's a great, great video of them uh, playing. I like it a lot. Well, this is sort of a reboot of Genesis because they, they really were more of a prog rock group. Yeah. And this, they changed over to really the start of their popularity as a pop group. Absolutely. In fact, you could argue that this is basically the fifth iteration of Genesis. Five, wow. You had Tony Banks, Mike Rutherford, Peter Gabriel, and Anthony Phillips in 1967. Mm -hmm. Phillips left in 1970. He had stage fright, believe it or not. Huh. Um, and then Doesn't Peter, work well on rock and roll. No, <laughs> and Peter Gabriel moved from the drums to the lead. And then they ended up hiring Phil Collins to play drums and Steve Hackett on guitar. And uh, Peter Gabriel left. He was starting to have some struggles. He was going way over the top with his, his act. Yeah, we and talked about him dressing up like a daisy. Exactly. And, you know, uh, I think it was Tony Banks said, I started to wonder if people were coming to see what Peter was going to do rather than listen to the music. Yeah. This was on one of the behind the music videos that I, I found online. Pretty fascinating if you want to watch that, it. That's the upside and downside of outlandish types of things. So so when Gabriel left, you know, they had all these auditions and they couldn't figure out who to do it, who to do it. And Phil Collins kept singing and saying, this is what you need to sound like and this is what you need to do. And they finally said, you know what? You should just do it. You should just be the lead guy. 
And so he said, I'm the drummer. And they go, yeah, but you can drum and you can lead. And so he did. And then Steve Hackett uh, left the band in November of 1977. That, that would have been number four. And uh, Tony Banks said that as they started, they, they came out with Follow Me was the song that they did at that time. And Tony Banks says, there were girls in the audience, which hadn't been there before. <laughs> so apparently the girls weren't coming to see Peter Gabriel, but they came so, after So before left. they were Rush. Yes. <laughs> so then they went off and they did some stuff on their own. They kind of had the time of doing different solos. And, you know, Phil Collins did, did pretty well. And, um, and then they came back for this album in October of 1983. Now, I had the album Three Sides Live. Now, was that well before this, I'm assuming? Because they had three, it was a four-sided album, and three sides were old songs. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's a great album. And then the last side was this newer, new song. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. The one just before this was Abacab, right. wasn't it? Right. Abacab was in 1981. Because these two, Abacab and Genesis, are the two that I kind of mark as that's the transition from the prog rock Genesis of the 70s yes. to what would become kind of this superstar group in the 80s. Agreed. Yeah. Now, you hear this. Um, <clears throat> this was actually a drum machine that uh, Tony Banks was messing around with, and Phil Collins ended up recreating the drum track. But it goes right into Second Home by the Sea. Yes. If you start to hear this transition, you know, if you have the album, you know what comes next. Again, Rob, I'm so disappointed that you didn't. Yes, that's it. But we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. (laughs) We're going to skip around a little bit. I'm so frustrated. (laughs) There are so many songs on this album. Uh Uh-oh. This is a classic. Now we're in the city. There's not a bad song on this album. Ah, a very upbeat song. This song was uh, written by Mike Rutherford. And it has quite a few uh, interesting things about it. One is Phil Collins' accent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that won't play real well these days, would it? It's funny. Uh, And I don't know that I've heard it on the radio lately. but You probably won't. Yeah. (laughs) Do you remember the video? Oh, yeah, they, they were hilarious, some yeah. of these things that they did. Phil Collins has a toupee, and he has this big black mustache. You know, it's interesting. The more things change, the more they say it stay the same, because at the time, in, the, in 83, illegal immigration was a big deal. And now, in the United States, illegal immigration is a big deal. And you know what? In 1870, immigration was a big deal. <laughs> It's always been that. They were asked a lot of times if this is a racist song, and, and Tony Banks holds and says, you know, it's, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's really, he says it's sympathetic. It's mm-hmm. just saying this is what they're having to deal with. You yes. know, they got to go through all this kind of stuff. In the video, you know, he's trying to figure things out. I don't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. It's no fun being an illegal alien. <laughs> By the way, that is the name of the song. There you go. Illegal alien. Yeah, it sounds more reggae there than it does. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing about his accent. His accent is a little bit on the, the Jamaican side. Well, it's because it's a Brit doing a Mexican <laughs> accent. Sort of sounds like Eddie Grant could be doing that song. 
Listen to this transition here. This is fun. Did they just record a lot of street sounds? From yes, okay. they did, and they and they sampled them, and uh, Tony Banks, you know, played them on his his keyboard. But the horn here is Phil Collins in the back. Listen to his story. Terrific. It's funny. Oh, yeah, this line. <laughs> yes, that's what it's like living in the United States. Yeah. Everything's easy. Yeah. But even, even that transition, then it's kind of ominous. It's like, no, yeah. that's not really how it's going to work with the sound there. Yeah. You do need to watch the video. They're they're running around in this old, dusty Mexican town mm-hmm. and, and kind of keeping their eyes open. Banks and Rutherford have suits on, and they're kind of like they're watching over, trying to see what's going on. Pretty now, th- this will be on our Facebook page. I mean, if, if you haven't looked, joined us on Facebook, join us, because I do put all these videos on. We've got them scheduled out. They come out not all at one time, just, you know, twice a day. Uh, two of the ten songs will come out, and what we try to do is as close to the video of what we're talking about as possible. So, you know, like us on Facebook, and yeah. it also come through your feed. Somebody should try to revive this song today. What do you think? Oh, I think it would go over. I think it would be a fantastic. Who would do it though? Who do you think would be the person that would be able to play it and get away with it? Who could get away with it? Cheech and Chong. <laughs> Oh, they, had, they had their own. They, they, had they their did own. have Born in East L.A. Born in East L.A. Do you remember that one? We ta- I think we spotlighted we that. I, we may have spotlighted that earlier, but yeah. yeah. That's when he got. It's really. He was born in East L.A., but he got caught up and was uh, sent to Mexico. He didn't have any ID, so he had to come back over the border again as an illegal alien. But he was born in East L.A. Did you have friends that were illegal aliens out in California? Oh, yeah. When I was. Yeah. It's it's really the truth is the song itself is a good song. It's not you know I don't see anything offensive about it. It's it's actually kind of a tongue in cheek yeah. look at a very serious issue. Yeah, that's what they said. It's no fun. Right. I don't want to be an illegal alien. So, well, you know, if you come over here to the United States and and you're looking to uh, make your way in, the best way to do that is to do that with a job. And so I thought maybe it was appropriate for this song just a job to do oh there you nice go. segue you remember this one yes indeed yeah this feels ab- feels like abacus it does and i think it's the sound that they have on the on the keyboard yeah but yeah this is this is this one's really driving i like it a lot i was surprised that um phil collins separated himself from genesis after this yeah that was sort of odd and, hey i'm going to go do my own thing and you know he had yeah had some, you know, some good songs on his on his own private oh, yeah. label, Face but value. unfortunately, it, it, it detracted from Genesis. Yeah, yeah. It's, 
but this is also the start of Bill Collins becoming a superstar celebrity in his own right. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and that, and that affected him, too, because people were making fun of him. And, and it after, say, 86, 87, he sort of disappeared out of the the lexicon of any type of music because he just got everybody just goes oh you just all you do is pop you know you have no creativity but writing great pop songs it's like it's hard to write a great pop song yes absolutely and he I had, love his drumming too oh yeah and he had a lot of um, things with his family that affected his decisions to be with Genesis and be on his own and all that uh, if you watch the behind the music episode you know, he talks about just wanting to spend time with his wife and his kids because it was so hard being on the road, and, yeah. and it, his marriage was extremely strained. And so he's like, "Hey guys, we can still if, if you want to still be Genesis, we can, but I'm going to be living over here. So, you know, you guys got to work around that." Um, so I think family was really important to him, and I think that's I, one of the reasons I applaud he, came that. And, he came and went so many times. Yeah, really. I applaud that because so many folks. You know, will abandon everything for fame. Right. And, um, you know, to hear somebody say, look, I'm going to make a different decision. That's great. Yeah. It's it's pretty amazing, again, that this is a trio. Yeah. There's so much sound. Yeah. I mean, it, it amazes me. And, of course, if you're in the studio, that's one thing. But they did this live. Did you ever see them live? Yeah. The, the, the idea of somebody playing drums and singing at the same time has always impressed me. Yeah. Well, the Eagles did it. The Eagles did it. We talked about that early on. Night Ranger did it. Obviously, Phil Collins did it. There's several people that have done yeah. it, but I just, I, I'm, I'm amazed when I see it because it's just a difficult thing to do. I mean, you're, you've got so much energy right. when you're trying to do that. Seems like you would sing like this, and you'd, your, your voice well, would have trying, some kind of. You're, well, you're the heart and soul of the group. As a drummer, you're trying to keep time, whereas everybody else is just ad libbing. So, yeah. and that's always surprised me. Even in Rush, you know, you're playing the bass, which mm-hmm. is another thing. Trying to keep that rhythm section is so hard to keep together. Well, you're playing the bass and you're playing the synthesizer with your feet. Yeah. I like this little part here. Where, Yeah, they, I think Genesis does a great job on the transitions in their songs. Like it's kind of taking you down one road, and then all of a sudden it's like you come up to this turn and you turn, and it it all fits together. But it's just kind of it's like a journey, like a journey, but it's not journey. <laughs> it's Genesis. <laughs> so just a job to do. Is this like a? I'm hearing bang, 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 and you know. There you go down. Is that, is that a is that a, like he's a job just a job to do? Is he just a hunter killer guy yeah, or no? It's just I, I got a name, I got a number. I, you know, it's kind of like this is this is what I'm doing. So. I don't know. It kind of sounds like a sniper to me. Yeah, a sniper. Exactly. I guess it could. It be. might be his job. It's just I a just job. got a job. I've got a name. Do. I've got a number. I'm coming after That's you. That's right, man. Maybe it was the military. Um, you got your you know, name, <laughs> rank, and serial number. Maybe it's the Terminator. Could be. <laughs> I'll be back. He's flipping pages, looking at Sarah Connors. How many Sarah Connors are in the fa- in the phone book? Yeah, but this one to me is is really rocking. I wanted to play a rocking one, and um, I, I I I like this one. I played this a lot. Actually, this I is. I, I can't emphasize enough. 
listen to the album. The album is great. Yeah. You know, you go out, if you listen to it on Spotify, get it all. If you've got it on the CD or album, it's just excellent. Now, this one is kind of a deeper cut. So if you didn't have the album, you probably don't recognize this. And this has a couple different sections. But this is very much kind of a fantasy um, sound. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really great. Very, very uh, lower key, much lower, much lower key than what we where we just were. Yeah, intensity's this, level definitely has dropped on this. And this is called Silver Rainbow. Nice transition. Yeah, got that electronic sort of almost bass. Almost got that prog electronic. rock thing coming back there. Yeah, right? a little bit. I was thinking the same thing, Wayne. Listen to this here. Got a piano going on. Yeah, and the drums Keyboard. kicking in there. I'm just going to have to listen to this entire album this afternoon. Yeah. So the name of the song is Silver Rainbow, and there's been some speculation on what he's talking about. So he's talking about, you know, you're walking home beside her, and if the sun should turn to blue, you keep on going because you're unaware. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, then you know that you are there beyond the silver rainbow. And some people say that the silver rainbow is talking about heroin. Mm-hmm. And if you shoot up, you keep going, you're unaware. But somebody else said the silver rainbow is the zipper. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'd rather. <laughs> Beyond the silver ah, rainbow, uh-huh. and and so, so it's either sex or drugs. <laughs> yeah, but he says, if beyond the silver rainbow, you you're unaware, you don't know if you're coming or going, you can't hear anything, you don't know, you're not aware of what's going on. That's what the song's about. I don't know. I I, I think it's simpler than that. I think that <laughs> I think it's, it's simpler than I that. I think too. that that it's infatuation when you when you're in in love with this person. You aren't paying any attention to whether the sun is is yellow or blue. You're not paying attention to whether the rainbow has rainbow colors or it's just silk. My point exactly. <laughs> You're just making my point. Oh, yeah? I don't know what you were doing in 1983. <laughs> I was trying to get past that silver rainbow myself. <laughs> Listen, I love it. We just... I mean, a bear walks in the room, and you're unaware. Yeah. You keep on going, and then you know that you are there beyond the silver rainbow. You don't even know there's a bear. You haven't been there either. No, That's you, right. you know. The funny thing is, is, is that Rob has a mascot, and it's a bear. That's <laughs> in true. His office. <laughs> yeah, here in the studio, we do have very. The there bear. is a bear walking in the room, <laughs> and you're unaware. And I'm unaware. <laughs> we'll have to take a picture of that. Rob could wear it. <laughs> Bear comes in the room. Oh yeah. So it did start off very smooth, and yeah. and then it just built up, and then it yeah. keeps, keeps on going. Yeah, this harkens back to their older work. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You, you could see them. You could see a video and see them uh, making a story about this. Well, and, and one of the things you mentioned, you know, that Phil Collins was able to sing the songs the way that, the way it was supposed to be. 
I've always felt like there was a good similarity between Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins. Yes. The way that they sing, the way their cadence, the way that they, they phrase things. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, uh, Peter Gabriel didn't keep playing the drums when he went to lead singer. They right. hired Phil Collins for that. Phil Collins said, I'll keep playing the drums. He's had some great drummers live with him, though. I think. That's right. His yeah, son is playing those tour. Drummers in. They'll right. bring drummers in. You know, the, the tour he's doing now, he's, he's got his son doing the drums. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, he's pretty good, too. So, anyway, hope you guys enjoyed that. Excellent Get the choice. album. Listen to it. You're listening to What the Riff from October of 1983. We hope you enjoy what you're listening to. Leave us a review and follow us on Facebook. Now we return to our entertainment pick. In October of 1983, you had the David Letterman Show. I mentioned earlier the Los Angeles and there was a group this that album, came out. Best and their so first appearance is on David Letterman. By a group of gentlemen from Athens, Georgia, called REM, and we're happy to have them making their national television debut with us tonight. Please welcome REM. And this group changed music I, in college radio. Oh, no doubt. This started the avant-garde alternative music scene. Robin Athens, what club or clubs did these guys play? Well, there's the 40-watt club is the one that's the most well-known. Okay. Uh, and they and they played there, but then every once in a while they'll show up, or they used to show up. And I think I've mentioned this once before. I saw them uh, one time on Legion Field, which was a, a the old practice field, they ended up having a little uh, amphitheater down there, and they came and played. I think it was in, I think it was in about 1985. They played Legion Field, and it was almost like you didn't know about it until about a couple weeks ahead of time. So a couple friends of mine and I went to Athens. I was at Georgia State at the time, and we went to Athens to see them. It was awesome. But the 40 Watt Club is where yeah. they started. Yeah. Now, is this the same? And I don't know if you know the answer to this. Is the 40 Watt Club where the other bands like B52 started? Or yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them played there, and they got their start. There's the George, the Georgia Theater as well. Right. Yeah, the Georgia Theater is one I'm, I'm familiar with. Okay. Other uh, entertainment thing notes from that time was the talk show Shallot Jesse Raphael show debuted. NBC premiered the true life drama Adam based on John Walsh's son's murder. And that he continued that on and with, with additional shows. Mackenzie Phillips makes her final appearance on the as Julie on One Day at a Time. One Day at a Time, yeah, I remember that. Now movies in October of 83. Alright, there's so many that came out. Under Fire was a Nick Nolte Gene Hackman movie about the Nicaraguan Revolution. Uh, Rumblefish, a Francis Ford Coppola movie with uh, Mickey Rourke and Matt Dillon. And I actually met Matt Dillon at a, a jazz festival. Uh, the Right Stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, anybody yeah. that was big in, in any type of space exploration. Was that a really long movie or is that just me? No, it was, was really long. long. Yeah. It was really long. It was good. It was really good. That was supposed to or it was intended to by the... John, uh, what was his? Uh, Mishner? James Mishner? No, the, the senator. John Glenn? John Glenn. That was oh. intended for in some aspects to promote his presidential campaign. Oh, really? Yeah, interesting. The Dead Zone, a horror film. You guys remember that? Yeah, that was Oh, Bean. yeah. That was uh, an interesting one uh, about people finding out about their psychic powers. All the Right Moves with 
Tom Cruise. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. They were based in, I think it was Pittsburgh, if I recall. Yeah, it's old, old Pennsylvania Steel Town. Yeah. Chris Penn was in that. And then one of my favorite movies, uh, Never Say Never Again. Sean Connery. Yeah. This was a James Bond film, but it was not an official James Bond film. At the was time. it not? No, it was not. It was it was put out by an independent production, but they weren't able to use a lot of the music from it and stuff. Oh. So, but he was he reprised his role because if you remember, uh, there was somebody else. Yeah, playing. Roger Moore. Yeah, Roger, Roger Moore, Moore was playing in that, and they had a really crappy movie called Moonraker. Yeah, uh, James Bond, and that's sort of uh, do that. But this is Entertainment, October 1983, and now we're going to move on. We're going to have staff picks. This sounds like somebody playing on a little kid's piano or whatever it is. It's definitely not a Hammond organ, I can tell you that right now. See if you recognize the guys. Very happy. Yes, I do remember this song. Yes, you do. I was thinking when you started, I thought Three Dog Night. (laughs) One is the loneliest number. One is the loneliest number. This is our friend's... Madness. Do you remember Madness? Yeah. They had they had a house, and it was in the middle of the street. Absolutely. <laughs> that was their big song, wasn't it? It was. It was their number one hit, and this was the follow-up in the U.S. And I emphasize the U.S. because they were very popular. They were the they were really big in the U.K. Yep. And uh, this is their second hit from the album. I remember seeing this on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And the oh, really? Band, they go... They had this jerk move there with the, along with the, the band or the notes, and all the band would go and make that jerk move together. So it was very humorous to watch them, but the videos were fun, weren't they? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what's interesting to me is that they sing with a British accent. Yeah, yeah I, was, of, I was noticing that. A lot of times you don't get that. I mean, we heard Phil Collins sing with a Mexican accent, but, right. but you, you, know, you, you normally don't hear Brits sing with much of an accent. Yeah. So Right. Folks, folks tend to go to a kind of a neutral accent. Yeah. Uh, this song actually reached number 14 in the UK, mm-hmm. so it was much more popular there. Oh. I don't think it did very well here. It, it got playtime, uh, but it didn't really take off like it did for the original Our House. Yeah. It never reached the levels of that. And after that, really, in the U.S., did we hear from them again? No. But uh, they continued to, to be popular in the UK and Europe. Well, that MTV era, there was a lot of... I mean, we had a, a, a second British invasion um, in oh, 82 yeah. and 83. And this mad rush of anybody that would do a video that looked kind of cool, I mean, would come over. Yeah. And well, you're it was right, the quirky though. videos, yes. too. I mean, I remember the Eurythmics, Sweet Dreams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a quirky video. Well, Adam Ant. He dressed Adam up Ant, like yeah. somebody, you know, from 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we talked about it before. When MTV was released here in August of 1981... Europe was already doing it, so they already had a kind of a big advantage over the U.S. fans because they were, that's why a lot of them were so popular here, like the Billy Idols, uh, you know, uh, and things like that. It was, uh, was yeah. But anyway, a lot of the European bands really profited from it. But this song actually was reissued in 1992. Yeah. And it went to number six in the U.K. Huh. Same, also by Madness? Everything. Really? That's interesting. It is. 
Was it based with a movie or a TV show or something? It must it have a, had some sort of yeah. revalidate. It's just not very often you hear a, a song that's going to be reissued. Right. And it'd go higher than time it did the initial one. But we should just reissue some of our podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Nice pick. I'm glad you got that one. Yeah. I like that deep cut. Madness. <laughs> I think we're going to Wayne next, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, we're going to keep up with that synth rock or pop, the new wave, electric pop. This is from the two-hit wonder, The Naked Eyes. And oh, man. What was their other one? Ah. Uh, I can't think of it right now. There's always something there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good ringtone for a phone. Every time it comes on here, you know, put an ex-girlfriend or something on there. There's always yeah. <laughs> your, your phone comes out. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> Unless you're with your current girlfriend. Well, yeah. But this is timestamp well. 19, early 1980s. It I is. mean, come on. Yeah, this is first yeah. wave. The, the, first wave. The, the sense, you made the, me. The fake drums, everything else. But it... I, I enjoy it just because it does remind me of that time. Yeah. At the time, I probably didn't like this song, but it it, it was it wasn't as it was big a hit as it always something there reminds me. But it, it was it was a hit. It was I think reached a number eleven. Listen uh, to that guitar there, that riff. That's that's now, pretty good. Really, there's just it two is. members of the band. No kidding. Uh, is Peter Byrne and uh, Rob Fisher, and they had helped, were formerly part of a band called Neon, and when they separated. The other two went on to form Tears for Fears, and they oh. they formed The Naked Eyes. But they're two friends from Bath, England. I've been to Bath. It's a really kind of cool town. Yeah, it is. It, it's really nice. I enjoyed the heck out of it. It's named after the Roman Baths, mm-hmm. and you can go and visit that. I just remember there's like a fake castle up on the mountain or a hill that's over over to it. You mean like a facade? Yeah. Like it was just made out of plywood? And you looked up on the hill, and you can see. Yeah, there's a lot of real castles over there too. I know. <laughs> so, why bother putting a fake one out? You know, it, this does uh, uh, sound like I just lost. The, who was the other group that they went to? You said some of them started Tears for Fears. There's a Tears for Fears sound to this song a little yeah. bit. Too. I hear a little ABC in here too. Oh yeah, yeah. ABC. We haven't featured them. We need to. That's interesting because I think Brian, you you mentioned First Wave, and at the time this was just New Wave. Right. You know. Right. I definitely remember New Wave. Now, this definitely has a synth sound. It's very layered. Um, it's very difficult to duplicate this on a live stage, so they didn't tour during the 80s. Now, um, Fisher had died in 1999 um, of bowel cancer, and Byrne moved to California, and he actually uh, performed a lot of session work. He performed on Stevie Wonder's Part-Time Lover. He did backgrounds for Rita Coolidge. And he also wrote and produced for the Olsen Twins. <laughs> ha! Really? The Olsen Twins. I didn't even know they had an album. Oh, they did very well with their stuff. Now, very now, well he now tours as the Naked Eyes with uh, as with other 80s groups. So he's like part of that little caravan. Oh, yeah, that'd the be Go-Go's fun. and everybody else. You know, they'll bounce around and do, do stuff. I love it when they have a group of 80s bands playing, three yeah, or four of them. That's, that's fun. fun. Well, the song is basically about young young love and basically about a girl who offers his promises, tells them one thing, but always breaks their heart. And I'm going to say it now. They got their name from the Who song, Naked Eyes. 
I couldn't confirm that, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> if you say it, it must be true. Yes. It was said here. You heard it here first. That was one of my gentlemen. favorite Who songs, and I went, well, that's got to be where they got the song, from, the, the name from. Put it on the internet, Wayne. It will be certified fact. Yeah. That was good, Wayne. I, it was a little soft for you, but it was good. Yeah. Thank you. An unusual pick for Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's Thank a you. monkey on your back trying to figure out how to do yeah, rock exactly. songs I wonder who else has got <laughs> a monkey on their back. Oh, it's Bruce. All right, I'm going to switch places with Wayne, and I will go with the heavier stuff. Yeah. This is very different to what we've heard so far this yeah. episode. But this is very much time-stamped in, in, uh, in 83, isn't it? So this is Aldo Nova. I had a chance to do uh, his, his first and biggest hit, uh, Fantasy, a while back. I love and the I'm beginning of that Bruce, song. Bruce, it is, isn't Bruce, it? Bruce, can you live a fantasy life? There you go. So this was a follow-up. This was a big hit for him at the time. Um, and this is it's Monkey on Your Back, and it's basically a uh, morality tale about drugs. So a lot of folks get uh, get caught up in drugs, and they've got they had a good life, and at one point they were they were good looking, they had a lot of pros- uh, uh, possibilities, and now they have a monkey that bites a hole in their arm at night. Well, like you said before the chorus, he says the guy had too many rides on the horse. Yep. See, that's more clear than Silver Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, there's we we've talked about Neil Young before. You know, he had the needle and heroin. It was basically a a drug that, I mean, Keith Richards is notorious about being on and off heroin all the time. See, so it still is you know, off and on with the Rolling Stones. Well, there's a reason that they have the phrase "sex, drugs, and rock and roll," isn't there? So Aldo Nova is uh, from Canada. He is. Uh, He's done a lot of production. He self-produced his uh, his first album, um, which had Fantasy, and um, this one is off of the '83 follow-up, which was called Subject Aldo Nova. And if you look at the video, the video is kind of this science fiction um, motif where it's uh, they're they're in like this computer bank, and uh, the all of the Aldo Nova and the band members. Uh, come out of the computer, yeah. and then they do the, the song. Yeah. But he's done a lot of production for a lot of different people, um, including Bon Jovi and Celine Dion. Oh, really? I like that little vocoder. Another Canadian. That's that, neat. That little it? voice transformation, the vocoder. Oh, yeah. The gravelly voice. Dirty monkey. <laughs> He always has these little space themes and everything. He does. Else. He's got that kind of science fiction feel to it. Did he keep? Was there a specific band that he had the whole time, and it was just oh, they just I went don't by know. his name, or did he swap people out a lot? I, 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 I don't know. I'm gonna guess that um, it, he he used he kind of used similar folks just because he only had two or three different albums right there at the front, but uh, it was mainly him. You know, it's uh, he did the production. He did a lot of this stuff. Like this little solo, yeah. There's your there's your spoken part. 
You know, Peter Frampton started that. That's right. <laughs> Frampton comes alive. I don't remember this song. When it, I don't remember hearing it. Do you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I like it. Yeah. But it hasn't had a lot of staying power. Well, eighty-three. I was on the ra- I was on the radio at the time, the college radio, and this 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 crank. Like I said, I probably didn't play a whole lot of the new wave stuff, but if it was rock and roll, I I definitely put it to the forefront. Yeah. It's interesting how things get time stamped in in different eras. Well, this this was a different part. This is more of the pop rock type thing that was going on at that time. You know. You, yeah, 38 Special having their songs that are sort of like the glorified yep. Southern rock, and you know you had other Canadian groups coming down and having having songs. So, I mean, Greg Ken, it sort of reminds me of that type of type of music. And then you had your synth pop that we've already talked about, and now we're going to move on to more synth rock. And Brian brings that. No, no, no oh, I'm sorry. You already had Brian. Brian. Sorry. Yeah, so this is getting Rob's more into the synth into the synth uh, pop. This group is the Human League. They had several different songs. Oh, yeah. They had a number. And we featured them before, too. Not in the future Spotlight album, but certainly the staff pick. This is uh, Mirror Man mm-hmm. is the name of this. And it was released, actually, in the U.K. in 1982 after their other big hit that you're thinking of. Yep. Don't You Want Me. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the big song. Yeah. Again, the British accent in the song. Right. So Good that point. was kind of a thing. It, it was released in the United States in May of 1983, and it peaked at number 30 on the charts in October of 1983. So this is when it was at its peak, October of 1983. You're listening to Philip Oakey on vocals, and then he had Su- Susan Ann Sully, and Joanne Catherall were also on vocals. If you hear the female vocals in the background. But I do have a question, though, Robert. You know, were they were they feeling fascination at this point? <laughs> Not Passion yet. burning, love so strong. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. They got a lot of uh, MTV airplay. Yeah. Yeah. So you hear the ladies in the background, and. They're playing right now, the, those three, the two women and him, they're still out touring, uh, and and they go around, they trade out other band members, but they're still the Human League. But they only, they're only touring in Europe. I, I, yeah. I'll check their website oh. out periodically. They need to get over to That's what the I'm US. thinking, because yeah. I, I do periodically, because they're on my bucket list to see, but they have, not, fun. They have not played or released or announced anything in the U.S. or North America. It was interesting... They're, they're singing about the mirror man. You know, here mm-hmm. comes the mirror man. And and uh, there was... Who is the man in the mirror? Who is the man in the mirror? Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Um, people wanted to know, who is the mirror man? And so in an interview, he revealed who it was. Let's see, here he comes. Says he's a Devo fan. <laughs> <laughs> Another mishaired lore. Yeah. <laughs> so, the Mirror Man is somebody we've mentioned earlier in the podcast. Yeah. And this, he said that he had been concerned that this guy was starting to believe his own publicity, 
and was in danger of losing touch with reality. And he didn't talk about it at that time because he didn't want to offend who he's who the mirror man was. It's not it was Phil Collins, is it? Nope. Out of man. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. He he was definitely full of himself back yeah. then. That was <laughs> in danger of losing touch with reality. Well, because initially the group was called Adam and the Ants. And then That's by right. the time he came to the United States, he became Adamant. Yeah. Because I remember talking to some girls like when I first they, they came from England and we're sitting on the concourse and we're just talking about, hey, what's some new groups? And she goes, Adam and the Ants. And then here here he comes, Adamant. Yep. Yep. Well, he was definitely he he was definitely a big part of the eighties for sure. Well, so now we're about to wrap it up and we're gonna go into our it's either a comedy or an instrumental. And what do I you don't think, think this it is. is. It has to be a comedy because I think they're singing to this, isn't it? I didn't pick it, so I don't know. <laughs> I picked it because this is Frank Stallone. Ah, brother, yes. Brother of Sylvester. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't offend him by saying it's a comedy, but this was his. This was the one hit on the. Uh, on, on, uh, was this Flash Staying Dance? Alive. Oh, Staying Alive! Yeah, Staying Alive that was the uh, that was the sequel to uh, Saturday Night Fever, yeah, wasn't right. it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Produced gag- and directed by his brother, yeah. Sylvester. Sylvester. Oh. Gag me, gag me with a spoon, buddy. That's horrible, horrible. Uh, it was an awful one. <laughs> All it, right, it did well let's at the time. On, let's get on to the top hits of 1983. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Turn around, bright eyes. Making love out of nothing at all. Air supply. Wayne's favorite. Yes. Yeah. King of Pain. The that's a good one. Now, that's yeah. a great album. True Spando Ballet. I like that one, too. And she's sexy at 17. Stray Cats. Stray Cats. That's a good group. Yeah, that's, I, I've, seen, I've seen them in concert, too. And that is that is a fun, fun group to see. It is, it is a the rockabilly. A lot you're of You're dancing energy. in your seat. One thing happened in October of 1983 on music. Uh, Liberace had died at oh. the age of 72. Did he die of AIDS? Um, I don't know. That may have been a little early on that. Yeah, probably. They probably didn't know if it was. They probably, yeah, didn't. They probably didn't know it at the time. Yeah. Um, albums that came out. John Cougar Mellencamp had Uh-huh. Well, my favorite. Yeah, that's a good one. Cindy Lauper, she's so unusual. The Jam, talking about your kind of proto punk snap. The The, the Soul the. Morning. Bob Dylan had Infidels. Cocteau Twins had Head Over Hills. Paul McCartney, Pipes of Peace, if you remember that. Survivor, Caught in the Game. Survivor was, uh, I think, didn't they have a song on this? Uh, movie as well on staying Eye Alive. of the Tiger. I might have. They, they I think Eye of the Tiger. Pretty good yeah. Movie yeah. yeah, I think that was in there. Eye of the Tiger, yes. Yeah, uh, Rocky Three. Oh, it was in. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Culture Club had Color by Numbers. Great album. <laughs> Listen to this keyboard. This little keyboard. Yeah. Like, he thinks he's Keith Emerson or something. That was just, actually some pretty good keyboard work, I'll tell you. But I just see uh, John Travolta with his. You know, bandana tied up and his shirt off, and he's just like doing horrible moves in the dance studio. <laughs> I remember Rolling Stone magazine actually had him on the cover for this this uh, movie. Oh, really? And it was just like him, just basically in 
and loincloth. Yeah. It was like right. all oiled up and everything. It was yeah. just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hank Williams Jr. had Man of Steel. You like the country. Husker Du. Metal Circus. That was sort of that alternative music that was coming on at that time. Well, this has been What the Riff from October 1983. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. Hope you enjoyed it. See you next time. You've been listening to What the Riff? We hope you've enjoyed riffing with us and all the songs we had on tap today. Check out our website, whattheriff.com, to find a complete list of our blog and then find each track on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify to listen to them again. Follow us on Facebook at What The Riff and let us know what artists you'd like us to feature in the future. Tell your friends about us and thank you to our sponsors, Stanton Electric and Marbury Creative Group. See you next time on What The Riff?